some of us do have friendships out of convenience. Like, hey, I know that if we didn't work in the same space, we probably wouldn't be friends, you know, and which sounds harsh, but I know that this circumstance is what connects us. And if the circumstances change, we probably won't have this relationship. It's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, we have Daniel Bayer-Jackson. She is a female friendship coach and educator who speaks nationally about the science of women's platonic connections. Her coaching business, Friend Forward, is dedicated to teaching women how to create and maintain better female friendships. She has been featured in the New York Times, NBC News, Psychology Today, Wall Street Journal, Fortune Magazine, and Oprah Magazine, as well as the Strategy Hour podcast. She first appeared on the show back in episode 579. Today's episode, we are digging into how the intersection of entrepreneurship and being a high-achieving woman impacts our platonic relationships, and specifically digging into the art and science between connections and conflict. I know you are going to benefit so much from today's episode. So not only do I think you're going to reference this as a tool in your own relationships, but I know it's going to be one that you're going to want to share with people. So I would love to see you send this to a friend, share this to your stories and tag Danielle and I tag Abigail says tag Danielle and let us know what your biggest takeaway was, because this is one of the juiciest episodes we've had in a long time. So I cannot wait for you to dig in. Hey, Danielle, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to have this conversation. Yeah, it's been, you know, a couple hundred episodes since the last time you were on the show. And I'm sure a lot has happened for you since then. I know you've had more speaking opportunities and been able to teach a lot more. But I remember like absolutely loving our conversation around creating friendships as an adult and the challenges that that presents. And today we're having a follow-up conversation on 
what this looks like specifically for high achieving women and at that intersection of entrepreneurship. So I'm really excited to dig in. But before we do, catch the audience up. Tell them a little bit about how we got here and how you got into the world of friendship coaching, if that's even what you would call it. What would you call it? (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny because I still struggle at parties when people are like, so what do you do? I'm like, a little this, a little that, you know? But yeah, I actually started out as a high school English teacher and did that for six years, worked my way up and became academic chair. And the number one thing students wanted to talk about between class and after school was their friendships. So I kind of had a front row seat to the ways that issues of connection and belonging were directly impacting their academic performance, confidence, their attendance in class, if they felt connected to other people. And then when I left that world, I got into public relations. And so I had my own agency and all my clients were these high achieving charismatic women. And I was surprised to learn that they too had the same issues, only now it was private. It was a secret because if you look like you're killing it publicly, I mean, who's saying, oh, I struggle in female friendships. And so a lot of their issues were the same. They just were a different age. And that's when I was like, wow, at every stage of womanhood, we're trying to figure out how do I navigate platonic relationships with other women? And when 70% of a woman's social network is other women, we better figure it out. And so for the past six years, I have dedicated my career to studying what the latest research has to say about women's cooperation, communication, and conflict. And I travel and speak on the science of these kinds of relationships. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for digging into it. It is such an important topic. And I will be the first one in the room to say that even though I feel like I have run a highly successful business, having friendships that are outside of my like working world has been really complicated for me. And while I feel like I do a decent job, you know, having connections with peers, it's often that confusing are we actually friends or is this just a networking thing? Are we just like in it because we, you know, are in the same role, blah, 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 versus like people who truly just value me as a human being and love and care and support me. It has been a weird dichotomy for myself and I know I'm not alone in this room. And so I so appreciate you being here. I would love if we could kind of dig into that though. Why do you feel like it's so different to differentiate between what someone might call a true friendship and what is happening in the workplace. Yeah, it's tricky because, and I just wrote an article on this, I'm still working through it, but in terms of like friendship and work friends and then real friends and are they the same? And I mean, I think that there's such a blurring of those lines anyway, because the world's just kind of like the digital world and real life world. It's all kind of fuzzy, right? Like what are the boundaries of all of that stuff? You know, and then work is the number one place where adults make friends because we spend so much time there. So to some degree, it's expected that, okay, these people I work with or who are my colleagues, they're also kind of my friends because we're battle buddies and, you know, they understand the hardships I'm facing this week. But it can be tricky, I think, for high achieving women specifically, because for a lot of us, I'm going to say us, so much of our identity rests in our achievement. We're killing it. We are goal setters and we are motivated by what's the next goal, the next goal, the next goal. 
While that is highly praised by other people and therefore fueling us to continue to do that, sometimes it's detrimental to our friendships. Whether it's with existing friends, most of the conversation is around business because that's what we're like, that's where we're setting goals. Whether it's with forming new friendships because our identity is achievement. So that's how we're starting the relationship. I mean, I've seen friends who are in the business world and we've gone out to like non-business spaces. And when they get hit with that, like, what do you do question? They go on and on. And then they start to look at the person as like a new potential client or collaborator. And they're talking about all the things, but it's like, who are you outside of that? And for many of us, we don't know. So we end up having a situation where we feel like, I mean, all I have is business friends, right? But what else do you offer outside of those kinds of professional goals and achievements and what would it look like to engage with somebody? And there's 0% business talk. And for a lot of us, it's a starting point that raises a lot of questions. Yeah, it has been one that has challenged me. And there's absolutely rooms of people that I would be hard pressed to figure out how to make it a personal conversation and like really kind of take it outside of the business realm and what we're working on. But the friendship specifically, where I get to let my guard down and I don't have to be this highly successful person and I can show up as vulnerable and someone who struggles with various things in their life. It is so interesting how much deeper and more real that those friendships and relationships feel like. And they often become the people I turn to first because there's an element of And I don't know if this is true for everyone, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I sometimes distrust the relationships in the business world, not because I don't think they're good people or that they're good friends, but are they here for the right reasons? And do they really care when the going gets tough or is it convenient to continue to enhance their own career? Yes. So I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but you know, we do have friends for different reasons. I'm a big fan of, you know, stopping sometimes to make sure we're defining the word we're using because I've noticed a lot of times we're using the same language and having different conversations. And people define friends so differently, right? Some people use it very loosely. Some people are like, no, that's very sacred to me. So just right there, we use that a lot of different ways. I say that to say that some of us do have friendships out of convenience. Like, hey, I know that if we didn't work in the same space, we probably wouldn't be friends, you know, and which sounds harsh, but I know that this circumstance is what connects us. And if the circumstances change, we probably won't have this relationship. For business friends, especially in the beginning, one of the things that does bond us is it is mutually beneficial. In a conversation, you're putting me on to things, I'm putting you on, oh, you need a web designer, I know a girl, here's how I got through that challenge. So maybe there is mutual support, But it is a bit transactional. And to your point, I don't think that makes us bad people, but one of the benefits of social interaction is access to resources, is offering mutual support. Maybe it's not emotional, but maybe it's, oh, you need a guy, I can put you in touch. Oh, you need a strategy, let me send you a template that works for me. So it's very helpful. But to your point, when my needs look different and my exchange looks different or what I kind of want in terms of reciprocity looks different... We do run the risk of, am I going to get that here? Because we've only had practice with business transactions being the heart of our you know, affection for one another, is that we enjoy each other's company, but 
it's highly advantageous in this specific way. So now if I want to go to that same friend and say like, hey, mentally, I've really been struggling with X, Y, Z. We've never had practice doing that. And that might not be the exchange that they're in it for, which again, then they're a user. Well, no, that's kind of been what the foundation of this particular relationship. And so, yes, I think it's beautiful when we can do both and it kind of naturally transitions. But I will say that is one of the risks that comes with a high achieving woman who tends to predicate new relationships on the identity of achievement is you never present those other selves. And so it's that dance of like, well, when do I say I actually need help? I actually, because I never lead with that. I lead with all the things I can do and all I've accomplished. And for some of us, it's hard to make that transition. Yeah. I've noticed that in terms of how I present myself on an initial interaction, if we were to meet in real life in a non-business setting, my initial kind of reaction is going to be incredibly different than if I were to meet you in either a business setting or online. And I noticed that I present myself differently. And I've even had friends mention that they're like, you know, if I saw you at a restaurant, you're going to sound incredibly humble and kind of reserved and a little bit quiet. And A, you're none of those things, but you tend to hold back that side of yourself because you know, their interpretation is I want to create a friendship that's not valued based on achievement or what I can unlock for someone. And so I will show up differently initially to some of those people versus the ones that I too, and you know, see, I'm, I'm just as guilty. Not that it's a guilt thing, but like, if I think there is a potential mutual business benefit, I'm going to show up different on an initial interaction Because I too see the opportunities there, even if I don't fully know what they are yet, you know, even if it's not a like, I don't think most people come in with a preset determined objective around relationships necessarily, unless they've done a ton of research on you, which is a little bit weird. But I do think you can show up differently in different spaces. I know it's been helpful for me, though, to identify that I don't have to get everything from every single person. And I used to be really let down (laughs) often, honestly, because I would think if you're in my top five, (laughs) like if we are very, very close, like you need to be there for me in all the ways. Would often end up in therapy talking about people I love and care about because I'm like, why aren't they here for me in this way? And it's been really helpful for me to have a division of what are my expectations of this relationship and what areas of my life does it actually impact versus all the things. I'm curious if you have a take on that. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I know based on the research and anecdotally that to be true, I think that I began to experience more joy and abundance in my friendship landscape when I was able to focus in on what all these people give me as opposed to nobody's giving me everything. Like who's giving me? It was like, man, if I do need to work out or vent or pray or go to happy hour, or like whatever it is, I've got my happy hour girl. I got my church girl. And I know some people feel like, oh, that's kind of reductive. And, and here's my thing to that is I know that individually, each of these women are multi-dimensional complex individuals as a person. But when, I mean, the fact is when we come into each other's lives, 
we are a certain role <laughs> and we are a certain thing to that person. Now it becomes very special and intimate when people elevate to encompass multiple things. The woman I can pray with, we can also grab a cocktail and we can also go have fun. That's a beautiful thing when we have all these intersections. But if you have someone and you would like more, you'd like her to kind of be your emotional vent girl, I encourage people to kind of test to see if that capacity is there. I shouldn't say test, but you know, stay open to the possibility that, well, maybe we could go there. We've never done that, but let me see if this has the capacity to be a space where we can offer each other emotional help as well. And it might be, but you've been putting it in a box. So it might be there. But for the times when you have shared with a friend, like, hey, I want more of this, or I want us to try this, and it's just not working, whether she cannot give it to you or does not want to give it to you, can you find a way to say, okay, I'm going to accept her for who she is and the value she adds to my life, or I just can't go without this. It's an absolute need and I've got to totally end this friendship. I mean, you'd have to make that decision. But the research does show that women have higher expectations in their close relationships. That's both platonic and romantic. We just do. And personally, my theory is that I think the issue is only compounded by the fact that we won't say what those expectations are. Because we say, well, you should just know, especially for women. But we only, in my opinion, do that to each other. Because in a professional context, it's normal to have a performance review and a check-in. Let's talk about how things are going. With your boo, it's normal to be like, babe, I'm not feeling it this week. Like, What's happening? What's going on with us? But in a friendship, oh no. We subscribe to the idea that it should just be easy, natural, and organic. And if there is some kind of tension or we lack a certain need and we're not getting it, we immediately go to thinking, oh, I guess we're not as compatible as I thought. I guess she can't be my girl. And the idea of like talking to her through it or asking for what we need, we feel like it detracts from the chemistry we're supposed to have. But this can't be the only space where we believe that emotional support should just be easy and flow. But in every other context of my life, I can acknowledge I probably have to talk through that and negotiate needs with other people. So to your point, I think managing expectations is is definitely really helpful. Yeah, I've watched this play out in real time with a very close friend of mine. Literally in the last week, there was two specific conversations. One had to do with our relationship and another had to do with her relationship with a potential partner. And for us, she has always approached the relationship from a place of fun and adventure and let's enjoy each other's company and and really stay present in the moment. And Lord, do I need a relationship like that? Sometimes I just need someone who can make me laugh and be there for me and all of those things. And she is also a business owner, but she is much earlier on her journey. And she, you know, came to me and was like, I just feel like I can't even bring it up. Like, I'm so scared that I'm going to be taking advantage of you and, you know, asking for things of you that, that are, you don't need to give me, but you know, it is what I'm excited about right now. And I was like, girl, first of all, thank you for bringing it up. Second of all, she's single. I'm married with no kids. Ultimately, <laughs> our jobs are a massive part of our lives. And I think it's really unfair that you're going to cut off like a massive part of your life from potential conversation when our focus is about staying present and is about staying excited and is about sharing about what's going on in our lives. Like, 
do share. And I said, you know what? And she's like, okay, can we have like a safe word? Like, can we have like a, we can shut it down if it goes too far? I was like, sure. But like, I'll tell you, like, if I'm not up for it, I'll tell you, like, you have to trust that I will be open and honest with you that, you know, I can't go into coach mode right now. (laughs) Like uh, I, you know, and I will be there for you. But in the same token, literally within the same 24 hour period, she was talking to me about this guy. <laughs> and, you know, he's nearby and they've been hanging out and talking and all of the things. And she's in her late 30s. He's in his early 40s. And she's like, I can't tell. I can't tell if we're friends or more than friends. And like, it hasn't crossed the boundary of any sort of like sexual intimacy. So it is truly just like a talking and spending time and, you know, whatever. And I was like, girl, we are at the point in our lives that like you being confused about what this is, is unnecessary. Like have a conversation about it. And she didn't want to. And like, I, I'm like, I can't convince her to, but she's like, if it's not obvious to me, then I don't know if I'm interested. Like, I don't know if that's how that works. Like I, (laughs) I was best friends with my partner before we started dating and There was plenty of things that were clearly friend-zoned activities that if we hadn't had conversations along the way, I'm not sure our relationship would have become intimate. So I encouraged her to show up and have that conversation. So I appreciate you saying that, that (laughs) it is okay to talk about where you're at and what you want and ask for what you need in a relationship. And obviously, if they don't say the things you're hoping they'll say, you can assess from there. But how would you make a change? Like if you say that interaction didn't go well and it became clear that they can't show up for you in an area that you really want to support in, how do you move forward? Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, so it's tricky because the research shows us, and this is multiple studies, find the same thing, and that is that in women's friendships, the number one thing we're looking for is emotional support, which is so interesting to me because it's like the number one thing we want. But again, we define that differently. So whenever I'm working with the client, she's like, I just feel like she didn't support me, you know? Always we'll follow that up with, okay, yeah, I hear you. If I were watching her support you, What would I see? What does that look like? And I can't tell you how many different answers I've received because it's different based on each person, what you're comfortable with. It's situational. Maybe I do want somebody to come and sit with me through this hardship, but during another hardship, I don't even want to talk about it. I just like, I need to be distracted, you know, and you keep talking about it. I don't want to talk about it. You know, so it changes, which means we always have to stay in tune with, okay, do I really know what I need? Does she know what I need? Have I put that information in her brain to mediate the gap? And then what next? If you have taken the step of communicating to a friend what you need, and you've done it in a way that's not like I'm telling you, but I'm like inviting you to love me this way. This is how I'd feel most loved right now. And not like, oh, God, you didn't even call. Like the whole time you didn't even call. I mean, a lot of people are not as motivated to do the thing you're asking them to do when it's like a demand or telling them like how they fall short. But inviting somebody like, hey, I think what I really need right now, like what I would love is for you to just come hang with me for like a day. I think that would help me. Like, you know, so can we invite people to support us? If you've done that and the person's either not able, like they don't have it to give, or they try and they're not able or they're not willing. Like, hey, I hear you and I appreciate you, but I just, you know, I, I can't do that. Whatever that looks like. One example I'll give because I hear it a lot is some women are not really great with offering emotional support. They're trying. And if you ask the average person, no one's going to say, I'm bad at giving support. You don't often hear that. So we all think we're doing a good job, but some women are not great at knowing what to say you know, walking you through it and helping you feel better after the conversation, that's not their thing for a myriad of reasons. We would have to first ask ourselves, 
Is this something that's changeable? Has she demonstrated evidence over the course of our friendship that she'd be open to receiving that feedback and working with me? Right? A lot of people get defensive. And if you've done all that, you've tried and she's still not bending, I think you have to get clear on how you adapt. Is it okay? I have to compartmentalize and I can't enjoy these things with her. I'm going to take it off the table so I'm not disappointed. And are you still able to find value in the friendship with this thing being off the table? I know it's not ideal. And I know some people probably hear me saying, well, just settle. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if after a couple of times I've noticed, man, she's not really great at, you know, emotional support or she's not really, you know, my fun friends. Like I love deep conversations, but man, like when I try to lighten it up or go do something fun, she's not really fun, (laughs) you know? Okay. Can I find a way to adapt? You know what? I'm just going to stop pushing and trying to, to bring her with us when we have girls nights. She doesn't enjoy it and she's not great company. I'm going to stop pushing for that. I'm going to stop expecting that. Are you able to do that and still find value in the friendship? If you can't, because for some reason it's all kind of integrated together and there's no way to separate, I guess you would have to ask yourself if it's a friendship you can properly maintain or invest in in the same way. And that's just kind of the reality of it. Because, and this is the last thing I'll say, if you flip that around and you had a friend who you discovered was talking about how unsatisfied she was, with the way that you show up. You think about the things you'd want. You want her to tell you specifically what she needs. So you can stop guessing. If she's going to be continually, perpetually disappointed in you, and that starts to turn into resentment, you'd be like, okay, well, who wants to be in a friendship where secretly like you're seething that I'm not meeting your expectations? At, the, at some point, you know, let me go or free me from the expectation. So if the situation were reversed, you know, how would you respond to learning that a friend was dissatisfied? with the way that you show up. And then you kind of use that to inform the decisions you make about being the friend who feels dissatisfied. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good reflection opportunity. And I think the obvious kind of next level to this is when we really start talking about conflict, because ultimately, you know, you can have unmet expectations and have a conversation around it. But sometimes people will come into a room And it doesn't matter what it is. They could open their mouth and say something that you're like deeply offended by or hurt by, or something goes down. You know, maybe you do find out through the grapevine what they said about you to someone else. Conflict can come up in friendships in so many ways. And for some reason, I feel like it's often way more dramatic than in other areas of life. Maybe that's just because we're women and, you know. I couldn't really tell you why that is, but I have noticed personally that I have some friends I feel really confident around handling conflict with and others. I am terrified. I would, I just, I like, I like start seizing up and I'm like, I know, I know I'm a conflict, like adverse person in general, but they also kind of scare me and like, but we're friends, but like, what do I do? And so I'm sure people listening also have the same kind of spectrum. How do we go about this? Okay. That's my favorite question. I don't know if you know that trend on TikTok that's like, oh my God, I love this question, but I do so much. Conflict is my jam. I love talking about it. I love the research on it, especially for women, because I found that I think a lot of us are ending friendships prematurely because of conflict. And there are a lot of reasons. And 
like the super condensed version, because this is entirely what my book is about. It's titled Fighting for Our Friendships. But the condensed version is just like, one, a lot of us were not equipped with the skills to have conflict. While boys were being told, boys will be boys, we were told, be nice. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. If she's being mean to you, just cut her off. Just ignore her. I mean, I can appreciate those sentiments from adult caregivers at the time, but it does very little to equip me to deal with the day-to-day business of having conflict with my friends. So a lot of us have not done it. The second reason is because, you know, who wants to play into the stereotype of being the difficult woman? So we just kind of, you know, yeah, no, we're cool. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't want to be perceived as difficult, especially for women of color, especially sometimes in interracial friendships. You're like, okay, if I'm already seen in a certain way as having an attitude, or if I already feel like I don't get a lot of stretch here to display a range of emotions, anger, disappointment, then I I box that up for people pleasers which you see a lot among women because we tend to have higher levels of agreeableness than men. I'm going to be less inclined to be like, hey, what you said last night wasn't cool, right? So there's all these factors sociologically, culturally, I think, gender-wise that make us less excited (laughs) about leaning in when there's a pinch that we're experiencing. The problem, however, is that there's research that shows that platonic intimacy often lies on the other side of healthy conflict. So it's interesting to hear you say like, there are some girls I can do it with, but other girls, you're right. A lot of things come into play. One, if you have the friend who's always getting into it with other people, and I observe how you are with other people, I might feel less safe to bring up something small because you always have really big reactions. If you're highly defensive, so I know this won't be productive because you perceive every bit of feedback as an attack. If I have issues that I'm bringing back, you know, from my home and childhood where I was told I had an attitude if I disagreed or whatever, I might have that complex running in my head. So I'm like, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. And I just minimize my feelings and I stay highly attuned to your emotions. And that's what's important. There's a lot going on. But there are ways to get past conflict where we can still feel connected, maybe even more so after we get into it. The first is a mindset thing. You've got to stop seeing conflict as contradictory to friendship. We anticipate it everywhere else. We already know it's going to be a thing. But again, if we think conflict, or excuse me, friendship should be like this magical chemistry, then whenever there's conflict, we take it as evidence of our incompatibility. But if I am bringing my needs, desires, and boundaries to the table as an individual, and you are too, don't we think at some point we're going to have competing interests? At some point. And being a fallible human being, don't you think at some point, I'm going to say something. You're going to be like, ooh, Danielle, that was not cool. Or I didn't like that. And I'm just being me. At some point, that's going to happen both ways. Or you had an expectation and I didn't meet it. So now you're upset. It's going to happen. But what next? So the first thing I like to say is I want us to resist the temptation of jumping to character stuff. And my theory is that from what I've seen, I believe, but I don't know the research on it, that women are more inclined to lean into fundamental attribution error, which means if another person falls short, you attribute it to their character. When you fall short, you attribute it to your circumstances. So like if you're late to lunch, it's because there's traffic. If she's late to lunch, how could she be like so inconsiderate? Like she doesn't even respect my time. I've been sitting here for 20 minutes. So like a lot of us will jump right into like, what does this say about her What does it say about her as a kind of friend? So the first thing is be real with yourself. How much of your issue is circumstantial? Is it something she does all the time? Was it a one-time thing? Can you admit that there's probably data that you don't have 
That's intellectual humility. So starting there and slowing our roll. The second thing is if it's significant or repeated or significant and repeated, you got to bring it up. You got to bring it up because it's going to show up in other ways. It's either going to show up as you constantly complaining about her to your partner, to all your other friends. So now you're gossiping because you're pissed. You're annoyed with her. It's going to show up as being passive aggressive with her. The one word text responses, things like that. And that's not healthy or productive. You got to bring it up, but bring it up as an invitation and not an accusation. So I'm going to start with something like, hey, I was not sure if I wanted to bring this up to you because the last thing I want is for it to be like awkward between us or anything like that. But I was thinking about it and I think it might be worth it to put us on the same page. You said something last night at the party in front of everybody about you know my job and I wasn't sure what you meant by that. What did you mean by that? I'm not coming in hot with statements. I have questions prepared because I'm going to acknowledge I might not know the answer. So instead of like, hey, so what you said yesterday was super shady. Like that was not okay. I'm coming in hot. Hey, you said something. I responded like kind of strongly to that emotionally, but I wasn't sure. What did you mean by that? That's a chance for her to inform me. Oh yeah, you're missing data. I didn't mean it like that. Or to reassure me. You're so right. Like, I don't know where that came from and that's not okay. I'm so sorry. And I won't do that again. But I have to ask and let her know this is a a dialogue. I want to talk through it with you. And finally, you would close that conversation with some kind of collaborative discussion of what will be different next time. Hey, next time, I know you're, you know, are really big on people being on time. I'm working on that. Next time, I'll be sure to give you a better heads up if I know I'll be late. I mean, now people can settle into that because you acknowledged it. You acknowledge my feelings and we're good to go. As opposed to saying nothing, steaming on it and having a gradual drift in the friendship with a lot of us are too familiar with. Yeah. Well, and I think it's such a solid point. Like I just have to drive home the fact that you said that we expect it in every other area of life. And if you really think about it, like you anticipate conflict with a partner or a spouse, you anticipate conflict with parents or siblings, you anticipate conflict with your children or, you know, adolescents. Why would our other relationships be removed from that scenario? I've never really thought about it like that, but it's so true. And I think in all these other areas, I don't know if it's that we have more practice or it is more talked about, like in modern society, like how do you talk to a parent about old trauma or how do you talk to a sibling, you know, when you've had issues in the past. I feel like those are things that you hear from psychologists or there are books written about, but you just don't hear people talk about conflict in platonic relationships. So I'm very excited for your book, I have to say, and I can't wait to get a copy of it myself. But I specifically would love to dig a little more into what it looks like to address it. I am the kind of person that doesn't really want to. Slash, I am not easily offended. That, that is part of it. Like I'm a kind of go with the flow, assume the yeah. best, uh, assume the best that they meant by something yeah. mm-hmm. all the time. But I did have a situation very recently with a friend and I was deeply hurt and I was pretty mad when I went to bed, but I knew like, I can't address this right now because I'm going to say something that is going to be hurtful slash she's literally two bottles of wine deep like now it's not the time um wise yes <laughs> so i waited and the next day i was uncomfortable with calling her 
And not because I'm uncomfortable calling her, but I felt like I needed to like prepare myself a little bit more. And I ended up writing her a book as a text message. And, you know, looking back on it, like it was well-received. She called. We had a very adult conversation all as well. Honestly, I feel better about our relationship mm-hmm. after the fact. Yes. I feel like we are closer, but we've also experienced conflict in the past and resolved it. And it has been a helpful kind of so there's a pattern there like there's a pattern of we've been friends for 10 years so like stuff's gonna come up but I know that like me writing a book (laughs) is probably not gonna be well received by everyone so I wouldn't even necessarily have known what questions to ask because to me like viewing it viewing what was said it was like how or why would you ever say that like I don't you know what I mean Mm-hmm. And so, because it's like, I know, you know, like you have all this information. I'm, I've trusted you with all of this information. So like, how do you go about asking questions when you legitimately like cannot imagine why it came out of someone's mouth? Okay. I have heard that more than, you know, the phrase from when like, I just don't understand why you'd say that. Or I would never say that. Or she should know. Like some of the things we're so upset over, the outrage comes from a place of, of being like so shocked that it's not common knowledge and that the thing that is hurtful to us is so freaking obvious. I hear all the time. And so I have found it's not as effective to start with that because being on the receiving end of that feels condescending and sometimes totally. Yeah. I mean, and I've done it on both sides, you know, so, you know, having somebody say to me, like, I just don't understand how you would do that. Like that's so obviously not okay. It just makes you feel like you're an idiot, you know? But yeah, part of your shock is that you're like, oh my God, I thought we shared this idea of what's appropriate and what's not. I didn't think I'd have to walk you through that. Right. And so, you know, it can start with giving her the benefit of the doubt and also only drawing direction toward the tangibles. Whenever we point to the intangibles, it gets a little elusive. So for example, I wouldn't say, you know, you were giving me attitude at the party and being shady and I just don't appreciate that. What does that even mean? I mean, I think a lot of us know shorthand, but what does it mean? You know, and it's also easy for me to contest. I wasn't giving you attitude. What are you talking about? How is that shade? We're getting into that. So it's the tangibles. Hey, yesterday when you made the comment of X, Y, Z, I felt this. So I'm going to tell you the impact of the very tangible thing you did. When you said this, I was really confused. When you said the story I was telling myself was that it was a dig about my job. But I don't know. I could be wrong. What did you mean by that? So I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. I'm asking questions, but I'm also pointing to something specific that was said or done and the very real impact it had on my life because people are less able to contest how it made you feel. I can't battle you on that. So if you say, hey, Danielle, you know, the remark you made at dinner in front of everybody, like it made me feel really embarrassed. I can't contest that. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I didn't mean it like that. Or, okay, well, I thought it was funny. I genuinely was not trying to like insult you. I thought it was funny. I thought it was okay. You know, but it gives us a chance to go back and forth. But I think maintaining that spirit of curiosity, hey, help me understand, or the story I'm telling myself, or I mean, I think if that were flipped around, you would feel this way, but I could be wrong. You know, those kinds of statements help to kind of buffer the tension of this exchange while also leaving space to demonstrate intellectual humility. I could be wrong. Maybe you didn't mean it that way, but here's how it felt to me. And hopefully the right people are like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. 
did not mean it that way. And moving forward, I won't even talk about it anymore. I won't bring that up if that's not okay. You know, hopefully, and that's how it works. But I would also say, give a little bit of grace to things not being worked out right when you bring it up, like on a TV show, which I've had to learn. So I'm hoping that if I bring up what I perceive to be this violation, you say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And then we're besties again. But sometimes the reality is it's, no, I didn't say that. Or no, I didn't mean it like that. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't know you were sensitive to that. I'm sorry. Like, I didn't know that was a hot point for you. And it's not going the way I scripted in my head. Okay. Well, she heard me. Maybe it's done. Maybe it comes another time. Or maybe she needs some time to have perspective. I know I'm going to be honest. I know there are certain things that I've definitely gotten defensive over because of certain sensitivities. And in the moment, I'm not like, oh my gosh, girl, I'm so sorry. It's like, okay, well, I didn't mean it like that. Like, I don't know how you would jump from this to that. But it takes me like a day before it settles in and I have to call her and be like, so I see what you were talking about. And that wasn't okay. Like that wasn't fine of me to do. I think I was just feeling some kind of way. So sometimes it's just people need time, perspective. If it was a minor infraction and she's never done anything like this before, can I let it go? I mean, truly, it feels better emotionally to have the closure of her saying sorry. But can I let it go if it was like a small annoying thing? And she normally never does that thing. Can I just like, whatever, I'm done. We move on and never comes up again. So those are the kinds of little things that there's no real rule book for, but you always have to take into account. Is this person generally attentive, supportive, my ride or die? When I'm not in the room, she's saying positive things about me. If that is the character she's demonstrated over the past five years, I really do have to ask myself how tightly I'd like to hold on to this particular hurt about what was said last night. So it's just, you know, something you got to measure relationship by relationship, circumstance by circumstance. Yeah. I know for me, the thing that was the most helpful was pointing out that it wasn't what was said. It was how it was said Mm. and where it was said that bothered me less what the topic was. And I came to the table very early on with this is how I would have liked it to be handled differently and was like not shutting down that we can't have this conversation or go into this topic or whatever, but this is what I would like it to look like. And I think would be a more professional or appropriate way to go about it or whatever. And she was very receptive to that and very respectful of that. And I am glad that that's how the conversation went. I think next time maybe I won't write a book. But I was so deeply hurt. And I knew that she needed to like read it, process it, and then call me. But like not everybody's that way. And so trying to be mindful of how those individual relationships are. Well, Danielle, I know people are going to have a million questions. And you have a new book coming out. And I would love for you to share a little bit more about what that book's going to look like and where people can hang out with you online. Yeah. So the book is titled Fighting for Our Friendships, The Science and Art of Conflict and Connection in Women's Relationships. And we like workshopped that. I know it's very long, but the idea of it is just, I don't know. When women say to me, you know, you know how women can be, you know how we get, you know how we, I understand what they're talking about, but I've always wondered, but why though? Like, but why that doesn't come out of nowhere. And so when I learned that there is like a lot of research to explain what happens when women come together in a group, how we fight, the words we use, what makes us feel bonded, what makes us feel disconnected. It was mind-blowing to me. 
And so the goal of this book is to explain from an aerial view, the mechanics of women's friendships. There's also stuff in there to help you navigate the day-to-day business, the details of being friends. But I feel like my goal is that it informs people's decisions that they make during their friendships because you understand at a higher level, oh, wait a second, this is a thing that we have, so let me operate this way. We tend to value this and lean this way, so let me operate this way. So you can make the decisions you want, but I think that we'll feel wiser and more confident when we learn from an aerial view what brings us together and what tears us apart. And that's ultimately my goal. And I'm mostly hanging over at our website, betterfemalefriendships.com. And then by my name, Danielle Byer Jackson on Instagram, it's been a blessing to have so many women trust me to be a part of their friendship journeys, like no matter how small. And I appreciate you for facilitating a moment to, to have this conversation because it's really important, especially for women who are in the thick of business and management and entrepreneurship. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. I have popped your book link over at bossproject.com slash books so that you can pre-order a copy of Danielle's new book. And I would love to hear your guys's take on this. It is the hottest topic that we don't talk about, but we all feel deep in our bones. And so like, let's actually talk about it. So feel free to send me a DM or Danielle a DM. We'd love to hear how this show impacted you. And I can't wait to have you back for a future episode because clearly you're going to be a crowd favorite. I'm not even worried about it. (laughs) Thank you for being here, Danielle. Thank you for having me. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.